Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About It. My name is Jessica, and I'm here to have some informal, casual conversations around mental health, and hopefully educate you along the way. I posted this up on Instagram, but I didn't have a chance to update all of you. I wasn't able to upload an episode as early as I wanted to because I'm working on my thesis. You may remember in the very first episode, this podcast was almost called I Should Be Working on My Thesis. And (laughs) oh yeah, there's a guest here, but she hasn't been introduced yet. So just you wait. We are definitely getting to the crunch time and I'm trying to finish this thesis and finish this degree. So I'm up uploading probably near the end of December two episodes so that we're still meeting our quota but um yeah no thanks for being patient and I hope you guys enjoy this episode our guest this week is my good friend Claudia Claudia and I met way back in high school in grade 10 and we have been friends since then yeah if you want to be friends with someone just have all your classes be with that person (laughs) we had like what six yeah six classes (laughs) together in grade 10 so obviously we became friends and yeah almost 10 years yeah that's gross I love it though it's cool but also I'm old yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Claudia is one of my good friends and she's had the opportunity to work in a group home Mm -hmm. and so that was first-hand experience with people of different mental illnesses and now okay I don't want to give like too much details about where you work yeah find you I agree but she's also working with vulnerable population now And I think that's really important because her position contributes to the mental health realm in the sense that the clients that she works with, she is helping them get the resources to have a better quality of life. And that sort of helps mitigate the stress that you may be experiencing that can lead to a poor mental health. Also, I guess just through life, I feel like you have so much experience dealing with mental health, both through yourself and the people in your lives. And so definitely, I'm really excited to hear about her thoughts and experience and wisdom <laughs> that she will impart on all of us. So yeah, that's Claudia. Wow, thank you. What a warm <laughs> welcome. I feel so good. Yay. So good. Today we're going to chat about the imposter syndrome, which many of you may be experiencing, especially if you're in post-secondary or if you're in the workforce by now. But before we do so, I just wanted to ask Claudia, what is your favorite form of self-care? Mm-hmm. I think when I'm asked that question, I kind of put my self-care into two different categories. One, that's productive. It actually makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. I'm doing something that's going to help me in the long run. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other form of self-care is just, I don't know, blocking out maybe stuff that I've heard of in the day from Mm -hmm. work or blocking out my negative feelings and just focusing on one thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So on the productive end of things, I would say that doing my laundry helps me a lot Mm -hmm. because it helps to keep my head in order if I have all of my stuff put away rather than just thrown all over my room. And then on the other end of things, I... I really like putting on reality TV. Yes. Drinking some wine. Yes. (laughs) And just not thinking about the world. Mm -hmm. That helps me a lot too. But too much of that is not healthy. So you guys, I always keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Moderation is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
sounds like you have the things that are good for the long term. And then on the other hand, it's kind of like a de-stressing, decompressing. Totally. I feel like when you come home from work, you just need to, I don't know about you, but I need to just sit. a couple of hours (laughs) yeah I take the train home and it's a 20 minute ride so I always just have a podcast ready Mm -hmm. yeah chosen podcast let's chat about it 100% everyone (laughs) I love let's chat about it I listen to it all the time that sounds sarcastic but it's true (laughs) yeah no that's great all right thanks for sharing that with me just moving straight on to our topic now The imposter syndrome can be described as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persists despite evident success. And so that is the first definition that popped up when I googled imposter syndrome. I don't know if I felt it so much during undergrad, but definitely since starting grad school, it's been a huge weight on my shoulders. But uh, you can go first. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, I kind of felt it through my entire life. But it didn't come to a full head Mm -hmm. like this is a problem for me until I started working Mm -hmm. as an adult, (laughs) air quotes, adult. (laughs) Because I don't know, I walk into this office full of people who are double my age Mm -hmm. and I just look around like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. They know more than me. I know nothing. Why am I here? And the thing you need to know about Claudia is that she is an amazing worker since she was what 15 12 12. (laughs) since she was 12 years old claudia has been working and she has just an amazing work ethic and she's so good at any job she does as a a teen had maybe three like jobs in total I guess as a teen it would be two Two. technically yeah but then when I turned 18 I don't know I kind of just branched out but every job she's done her supervisors are like let's promote this chick Mm. Claudia is so good so whenever she tells me she feels like she's not qualified for this job or what have you I'm just blown away because I know you're amazing Mm -hmm. just this last job she was doing she was literally doing the work of four people like I'm not even exaggerating when she left they literally needed to hire four people yeah. To cover they her hired job. Four people. <laughs> I want to repeat that. Four. I'm like, still angry. <laughs> you guys don't know. <laughs> I don't think they can tell. <laughs> yeah, so Claudia is really, really great at her job. And yet she feels this way. And it's funny because I know exactly how she feels because I feel this way, but probably from her perspective, she's like, Jess, why are you thinking like this? Because I know for me personally, I feel like when is my supervisor going to realize that he made a mistake in taking me on? (laughs) Especially with writing this thesis, I'm like, he's going (laughs) to see it. He's going to see that I'm dumb. But it's just, I feel like I am not smart enough to be where I am. And I just feel like I'm not your classic, typical academic. I feel like I haven't accomplished enough. You know, I have no publications to my name. I've only been to one conference. I don't know. A lot of people going into grad school have already had poster presentations and all these different things. And I had no experience with that. I did some research courses, but they're always a different run every term. So I've never had an actual project. And I felt like I was kind of playing pretend, if that Mm. makes sense. So I just felt really inadequate by the time that I got accepted into grad school. I feel like I'm trying my best to do these things that I don't even really know what to do. And I felt like people thought I wasn't capable enough to do what I'm doing. Not my supervisor. My supervisor is a sweet 
angel and he's very supportive and always wants me to think the best of myself he's always like no you got this you know like that basically <laughs> but not an absent <laughs> like, you know like actual like solid bottom yeah no there's definitely other people in my department or field that made me feel like I wasn't capable of doing a job that I was doing I mean I guess we'll talk about this later but I really had to learn how to not take things personal and not take people's actions as a direct reflection of who I am. I think how you mentioned when other people don't think you're capable enough to do a job, like Mm -hmm. I felt that way too. Mm -hmm. And I think that plays a big part in imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a supportive environment where everyone's like, keep going, like even though you're making mistakes, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Just move on. Like you're doing a great job. If you're in an environment like that, then I don't think you would feel that imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But if you are in an environment where people are talking over you yeah. or they don't listen to what you are saying, mm. what you're saying doesn't have value. Yeah. Then that plays a huge part in Or there. if you're being micromanaged or they just try to do your job. <laughs> if you're susceptible to imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in a positive environment, you might feel that way. But mm-hmm. because you're getting that positive reinforcement, it can go away. But if you're in a negative environment, it's just going to grow. That's so Unless true. you're able to internally work on yourself to not feel that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think in my experience, it was almost the lack of mm-hmm. affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> the lack of communication at all. Mm -hmm. no one was telling me if I was doing a good job or a bad job so my mind because I'm negative (laughs) just goes automatically to bad Mm -hmm. when that's not necessarily what is reality yeah that's a cognitive distortion oh look at that people (laughs) yeah exactly Mm -hmm. no I feel the same way again love my supervisor sweet angel but he definitely just left me to my own devices so there was so much I had to figure out on my own with no guidelines I didn't really know until, I don't want to say it was too late, but for example, I had to apply to get ethics approval for my research project, and my supervisor was kind of like, have at her, and I was like, I have literally never done this in my life, what do you mean? And so I just, you know, tried my best, and it's not until I submitted it and I didn't get approval, I got requested changes from the ethics board, that's how I learned my mistakes. I had to learn to be comfortable with just trying things. I'm the type of person who procrastinates if I don't know I'm gonna do well or I have a lot of trouble starting if I don't know what I'm doing because I want it perfect so this program definitely forced me to just get out there and try and if you make mistakes it's okay and you don't get feedback sometimes unfortunately yeah that's life yeah the sad part does not prepare you for (laughs) the realities of life there aren't rubrics (laughs) there aren't report cards you just have to be okay with yourself That's what it is. And you have to not care what other people think, which is so much easier to say Mm -hmm. than do. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about Mm. imposter syndrome? For me, I also think imposter syndrome was caused by kind of a lack of training. Yeah. I started my job in a receptionist position and then I was moved into more of a client services position. And my boss pretty much just said, okay, you're doing this. (laughs) And I said, okay, great. So then I... Asked my coworkers, like, okay, what is your job? What do you do? How can I do your job properly? But my coworker was new. So both of us <laughs> Oh my god. Both of us were just like learning as we go. Mm. And now six months later, I'm like, okay, I think I'm good at this. But then for the last six months it's, it's been hell. Yeah. <laughs> because of that lack of training. Yeah. So I think that's a big factor mm. too. Yeah, if you just like 
don't know yeah, what's happening. Exactly. And you're just trying your best. But something I've realized about adulthood, <laughs> which is the biggest scam in the world, <laughs> is that no one really knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and everyone's faking it. True. I don't know how, as a youth, I thought adults just knew everything. Like, no one knows. They're just trying. And then sometimes you catch them, sometimes you don't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I was going to say, being a woman of color also mm-hmm. adds to that because sometimes people meet me and automatically have this assumption of me. And I'm like, I've done nothing for you to think this way. So I'm like, is it is it because of my race or is it because of my sex? Like, is it both? Like, which one is causing you to have this impression? Yeah, totally. Do you feel the same? For me, not really race Mm -hmm. or ethnicity. More so, I would say, being a woman and being young. Oh, yeah, and being young. Age, I think, is a huge factor. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've gone into meetings where people have talked over me Mm -hmm. or I say something that's relevant to the conversation and nobody listens to me until a week later when they're like, oh, did anybody know about this? And I'm like, yeah. I said that Mm -hmm. a week ago, but still no one believes me because I'm 23 when everyone else is over 40. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so intimidating. Yeah, it is. It's scary. That's where the imposter syndrome comes from, people. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just thinking, what would I do in that position? Because especially, not so much now, but when I was younger, I had a thing about authority figures. I was just so scared of them always. So being in that environment would definitely take some getting used to. Mm -hmm. Totally. For me, I think it's more so race. Yeah, I would say too, for sure. So that's unfortunate. Even just in general, people are surprised when they find out I'm doing my master's. Or if they find out I'm doing well in school. Okay. Why? I don't know. Like, do I include <laughs> I'm not intelligent better? Uh, this was actually in high school, I think. I don't remember this exact conversation. So maybe, you know, it's wrong. <laughs> exaggerating. Or, I don't know. False memories. But I remember we were talking about grades during our spare. And my lowest grade was higher than someone's highest grade. And they're like, oh, you're like actually smart. And I was like, actually? <laughs> like, do you mean? But also, I think part of that came from because we went to an academic school and because you weren't so aggressively smart, again in quotes. And by aggressively smart, I mean stupid know-it-alls that are rude, (laughs) (laughs) that our school is full with. Mm -hmm. Sorry if you come from our high school. (laughs) Maybe I'm not talking about you. Maybe, I don't know. But because you weren't so aggressive then people are automatically shocked that you are. Mm, yeah. Which is dumb still. Mm. People stop having preconceived yeah. notions. Being in the faculty of science is like an extension of our high school. People are just so competitive and aggressive about all things school. And because I'm not that way, they assume that I'm not an overachiever or something, you know? And I hate when people ask about your grades. Me too. Oh like my why? God. What is it's that going to do for you? Well, no matter what. Yeah. If you do better than them, they're going to make you feel bad about doing better than them. And then if you do worse than them, they're going to make you feel like there's no winning. No one's going to be happy in this situation. And what do you you get? What does someone get out of asking for the grade? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Except you either feel bad about yourself or, like you said, you feel good. But why Why? do you feel good? That's not a good sense of um, self-worth. Yeah, totally. You're basing it on your grades compared to other people. And... I remember in this one class, this is actually a SOS class, but this girl asked me how I did on the exam, and I was like, oh, I did well. She's like, no, like, 
what did you get? And I was like, oh, I got an A. And she was like, oh. And I was like, sis, you asked me. Like, I didn't want to say anything. And then she held that against me for the whole semester. How? For example, if I would say something like, oh, I need to study this or whatever, she'd be like, well, you're probably just going to get an A anyways. (laughs) Or in class, I didn't catch what the prof was saying. So I asked her, I was like, oh, did you hear that? She's like, does it even matter? Like, you'll get an A. Like, why are you asking me? She would say comments like that all the time. And I'm like, you brought this upon yourself. Oh my God. I don't know why you're being like this. Literally. Also, no offense, but you're not just getting A's. You're putting work into it Mm -hmm. to get an A. I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. I can't think of anything else to say about that. I'm kidding this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave 20 minutes of blank space in. That would be really funny. You should think of starting a sleep podcast where you don't do anything except for just talk randomly for like 45 minutes. And you just help people fall asleep to hear the sound of your voice. Because oh. <laughs> I would listen to your voice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's so nice. Anyways. Okay. So that's our experiences of imposter syndrome. I feel like I had so much more to say than what has been said, but that's all I can think of right now. I know, I'm trying to think too, but... Yeah, if I think of more things, I'll definitely post it on the gram. But for now, that's our experience with imposter syndrome. And definitely reach out to me on any of the different social media platforms or email if you wanted to share your own experience of imposter syndrome. Like, rate, and subscribe. And be sure to hit that bell so you get all my notifications. Thanks, guys. Exactly. Okay, here are some tips for overcoming imposter syndrome. By no means is this an exhaustive list because this is something that we're both currently working on, but these are some things that we have found has been helpful so far. So definitely for myself, I think shifting my perspective has been the most beneficial. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I had to just realize that how people act towards me has nothing to do with me or my abilities, but everything to do with them and how they perceive and navigate situations. For example, Claudia mentioned that, you know, people will talk over her and that has nothing to do with you. That has to do with them and them being rude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) It's almost disrespectful to come at people like that. But I know if there was a new employee, you would be so nice to them. You would help them. You would be a supportive person. And so for that, for you to not get that treatment, it sucks I'm sorry I had to experience that yeah nothing to do with you everything to do with them Mm -hmm. and I mean don't use that to justify yourself being a jerk or anything (laughs) Uh, hopefully that's clear (laughs) everyone's ignoring you because you're mean to self-awareness is key key. (laughs) be introspective but yeah so shifting my perspective and when I was talking to Claudia let me just pull this up I don't know who said this it might be Claudia (laughs) it might not we don't really know but I tweeted that I was having lunch with a friend and talking about how at times I felt unqualified for the spaces that I'm in and she said if you weren't supposed to be there, then you wouldn't be there. That is so simple, but it blew my mind. I think actually Michelle Obama, no, I don't know if it was Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> my good friend Michelle Obama, no. <laughs> but, but I should Google this. I don't know. Maybe I'll make this a post, but I think it's either Michelle Obama or Viola Davis. <laughs> I was going to say her character. I'm like, <laughs> Annalise Keating. <laughs> They said that, no, I think it was Michelle Obama talking about if you have a seat at the table. Do you know what I'm referring to? Mm, Yes. Right? That feels right. Something about it. I don't know. Okay. 
Look it up, everybody. Yeah, no, I, I will look it up and I will post it on the gram. So keep your eye out for that. So no, basically you should be telling yourself like, if you're there, you're there for a reason. In my own situation, I'm in grad school. I had to write an application. Someone had to look at it. Like a committee had to look at it and accept me into that program. So it's not like I was there by mistake, you know? So if you're there, you're there for a reason. So it's just, you have to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it kind of ties into self-esteem and self-worth. First of all, as a human, you're just inherently worthy. But if you're in that space, it's because you deserve to be there, probably. I'm just thinking of people who have rich parents who just toss them in situations. Oh, whatever. it's yeah. fine, you know. Paying for college <laughs> when they shouldn't be there. Yeah. Olivia Jade. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like those are the people who aren't really dealing with imposter syndrome. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I mean, yeah, it does say that in the definition, Des- despite evident success. Sorry, <laughs> accidentally touched Claudia. <laughs> Whoa. This is turning into something different. <laughs> They're about gas. I thought this was about mental health. It's late night chat. No. <laughs> I'm cutting all of that out. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't. That's so funny. Something I used to do a lot, which probably isn't healthy, when I was feeling some of these feelings at work is I would just go to the bathroom, have a good cry, <laughs> feel bad about myself for five minutes, but then I would have to leave the bathroom, look at myself in the mirror, and just practice positive self-talk, mm-hmm. you know, telling myself, you're good, you're here for a reason, mm-hmm. you're doing the best that you can, mm-hmm. and if somebody at work didn't appreciate what you were doing, they would tell you. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, my mind just goes straight to like, you're bad. Yeah. When it's just me making it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, learning how to identify facts. Yes. Rather than what you're telling yourself. Yeah. Because that's not facts. Yeah. A hundred percent. Two things I want to mention based on what... Ah, three things, actually. <laughs> the first being, you know what? Sometimes you just need to have a good cry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's healthy. As long as you're not all the time. Like, <laughs> your body needs that release. And so, you know, find your, your favorite corner or bathroom. Yeah, third stall in, people. Yes. Fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs> have a good cry. Wow, when I think back to the amount of bathrooms and public spaces I have cried in, like, whew, whew. I'm not embarrassed anymore. That's how often I do it. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed when people look at me. <laughs> Is that a problem? Maybe, but that's I'll okay. So. It reminds me of that Ariana Grande, Jeff. What about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I have to say a good cry always because I guess there's different types of cries. Yeah, no, I've had like, <laughs> if it's just like one little tear and then you have to wipe it up, yeah. that's not a good cry. Not a good cry. Not a good cry. Sob, make noises, snot running down your mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I find that you feel kind of refreshed and able to get back at it. Yeah. They have a, a good cry, so it's a good thing. Second thing I was going to say was, again, just another cognitive distortion, like jumping to the bad immediately. You know what? Sometimes you do things and it's not good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. You know what I'm saying? True. Maybe it wasn't the best, but it wasn't a complete failure. And I'm an all or nothing kind of person. So if like if it's not perfect, then it's trash. And so it's something I've definitely had to work on and had to be like, you know what? I tried my best and that's what's important. And I can take this as a lesson for the future to do better. So I definitely identify with what you were saying about being negative. I still do it to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so bad. But I just try to catch myself when I do. And then <laughs> the third thing, because Claudia just gave us so much. Wow. <laughs> 
when you said that what you're telling yourself isn't fact, mm. another cognitive distortion, emotional reasoning. Just because you feel a certain way, for example, if you feel stupid, that doesn't mean you're stupid. And I think it's very easy to take your feelings as the truth. And so another tip for overcoming imposter syndrome is to actually objectively reevaluate the situation and ask yourself, what is the evidence? Mm. What is the evidence that I am not fit for this role? And you have to think actual evidence, not like, oh, like, my boss, like, doesn't take me out to lunch. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't think of a good example. But you really want to focus on the evidence. And I'm not sure if I've said this exercise before, but a really helpful way to identify what is the truth in the situation is to write down the situation or your thoughts or what have you, and then write down the evidence that supports that thought and the evidence that doesn't support that thought. And that can kind of help you navigate that situation. Wow, I like that. I like that a lot. Another way I've learned to deal with my imposter syndrome is talking to people around me, like Mm -hmm. talking to my support system, I guess you could say. They kind of help me to decipher what is fact and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I just can't think of anything and then I'll say something out loud to my boyfriend and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, who said that? Yeah. And I'm like, nobody. And he's like, okay, then it's not true. And that helps, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Because it can be hard to distinguish what is fact if you're just in your head about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, talking to your support system is a really mm-hmm. good way to you know, get that validation and get the help you need to discern the differences. Totally. And like he tells me all the time, he's like, you're 23, you finished your degree, you're working in a field that you like, mm-hmm. what's the problem? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess when you say it like that, mm-hmm. there is no problem. Yeah. Another thing that kind of contributes to imposter syndrome, maybe, I feel like our friend group is like very successful. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm not doing as well as my peers because a lot of them are working in their field. And I'm like, oh, I'm still in school or they have other sort of milestones accomplished and I don't so I'm like oh why am I even here I don't even know if this is imposter syndrome anymore this might just be like general anxiety or like (laughs) about the future but regardless I don't know I guess I just I don't acknowledge my achievements enough there we go we're tying it back to the topic I don't acknowledge my achievements enough so it feels like I've done nothing Mm. but in reality there is a lot that I've accomplished so I think that's something else I can actually help you is if you actually take note of what you're accomplishing and whether it's small or big just make sure you're fully giving yourself that pat on the back for doing what you did but yeah no our friend group is just very successful everyone is either working in an adult job (laughs) or in graduate school so it makes you feel like the standard is higher than it should be that's true especially for our age yeah we're all young too yeah like (laughs) under 25 yeah which I think is important to note Mm because lots of people are 25 and are just starting yeah which is totally cool and Mm -hmm. I think that makes more sense because you know who you are right (laughs) (laughs) like we did it backwards people (laughs) yeah and it's funny because I was talking with the, the new grad student I think we were talking about GPA and I was like oh mine's okay it's not anything special and he's like what do you think the average GPA is? I was like, I don't know, like three? He was like, no. <laughs> it's what is not it? a 3.0. He's like, it's like a two point something. Oh, I would have thought the same as you. Right? Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> you 
know how they say C's get the grease? Honestly, pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Not pissed off, but like they should make people aware of that. Because I'm like, oh, I'm just an average student. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like all the people we surround ourselves with are very overachieving and ambitious. And so that just makes it seem like the average is super high when it's not. A more practical way that I've been thinking of to deal with my imposter syndrome is getting more training. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just feel like I'm a little bit undertrained in certain areas and I think that I would have more confidence in those areas if I went to workshops Mm -hmm. or if I did a course like an online course Mm -hmm. so that's something I've been thinking of doing to combat my feelings at work Mm -hmm. for sure that's a great idea Mm -hmm. this reminds me um so I essentially act as the research coordinator for my project and again I just had to figure things out (laughs) by myself by the seat of my pants and I was talking to a research coordinator at a hospital and she was like oh so did you take the course and I'm like there's a course this is two years into my program I was like there's a whole course I could have taken to have the foundational skills I needed to be a research coordinator instead of just figuring it out I was mad (laughs) it's like so sad that is the saddest thing I've ever heard tragic So yeah, no, taking those workshops, you know, being able to practice those skills in a safe environment, tutorials, whatever you need to add some tools to your toolbox that will make you feel more prepared is definitely a good way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's everything. I think so too. Yeah. So yeah, definitely would love to hear your experiences or what you find helps you when it comes to imposter syndrome. Do you have any parting remarks? I mean, I just want to say thank you for having me on here. This is really cool. Thanks for coming. To see you doing something kind of creative, but also relevant to what you want to do with Mm -hmm. your life. I think this is awesome. And I'm excited to hear more from you. Yes, definitely. I have lots of topics planned. It's just a matter of finding the time to talk about them and guest hosts and editing. But yeah, no, I really hope people are finding this beneficial and learning and able to improve their mental health just because it's so important. It's so important. Mm -hmm. It governs everything that you do. And at the end of the day, I need to stop saying this, but at the end of the day, we're all going to (laughs) die. So... You might as well just try to live a life where you're actually happy, you know? Yeah. And nothing is going to matter in the end. So Mm -hmm. you get to choose what matters. And you should choose the things that make you happy and improve your quality of life. Especially if you're privileged enough to be in a position where you can do that. Yeah. That's a great note to end on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it from me. If you want to keep the conversation going, please email me at lcaipodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter or Instagram, again, at lcaipodcast. I'm happy to answer questions, comments, concerns. Just let me know. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks.